With Benjamin Netanyahu's new government in place, there are two main objectives that has been clearly communicated. Stop Iran's nuclear missile developments and bring Saudi Arabia into the peace agreements outlined in the Abraham Accords. Perhaps not coincidentally, these developments and other news from the region fall in line exactly with the description of future events from three of the four major prophets of the Old Testament. Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. Join us now as we examine very recent geopolitical policies lining up exactly with Scripture in the prophetic wars before Ezekiel 38. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark. You're watching and or listening to the Russic Outlook. Thank you very much for joining. Today's topic, prophetic wars leading into Ezekiel chapter 38. Uh, for those of you who may not be familiar, chapters 38 and 39 alludes to what I would call the next great war as outlined in the Bible that will eventually lead to tribulation, the war, the tribulation years, I should say, and, and culminating with the return of Jesus. And, and there's been so much... Um, spotlight that's been put on Ezekiel 38 because of what has happened or what is transpiring right now as we speak with uh, um, Russia and Ukraine, where many Bible students, certainly people interested in prophecy, uh, are, are looking at, is this a precursor or a foreshadow of things to come? To that answer, I would say yes. If you're not familiar, these nations, as outlined, will invade Israel. The Lord will intervene. Um, and, and he will destroy them. He will claim the victory. It won't even be an Israeli army. Uh, this will be done for his glory. But there are some things that are taking shape on the geopolitical landscape of the nations outlined in Ezekiel and, and, and Jeremiah and Isaiah that I wanted to point to as well as a couple of other potential key players here. And it's looking more and more like everything's taking shape, falling into place. So I wanted to focus in on that. Before I do, please, if you wouldn't mind, I know I've asked this before, and, and you get this, I, I know, from a lot of the content uh, creators and providers. They ask you to subscribe to the channel. I have to do the same because it really does help get the information out, but it, it helps us move up on the algorithms and, and get the information out there because as we're talking about this, I have personally a heightened sense to share this information because it is pointing to the return of Jesus and it is pointing to that Jesus is coming and coming soon. So, uh, you know, that I, I feel a responsibility to get this information out because God wants all of us potentially or as many as possible to come into the kingdom of heaven, which, like I said, could be coming soon. So um, if you subscribe to this channel, uh, we only notify you of, you know, new videos, new presentations, new things that are coming out. Um, so if you can, give us a thumbs up. Share the information if you think it's worthwhile. And last, I, uh, I would ask that you go over to russicoutlook.com, sign up for our email list. We notify you of, of new events, new things. There are some particular things that, like Zoom presentations we do with a certain viewing audience where we get to engage with one another. We notify you about that and, and similar uh, similar things. There's there's some uh, other interesting information that'll be coming out shortly. So 
please go to the rusticoutlook.com, sign up for our email list. Let's get into this. So e- prophetic wars leading into Ezekiel 38. If you're following me on video, I show you two pictures on the top of uh, attacks that have happened on Damascus and the surrounding areas, because we're going to be looking at that, as well as uh, you see on the lower right-hand corner about uh, uh, Ezekiel, where it says this, but this is what the sovereign Lord says, when Gog invades the land of Israel, my fury will boil over. So when he sees this attacking his land, his people, his fury will boil over, and this is where I say... um, he basically intervenes and, and takes care of everything for his glory. So some of the key players that I'm, I'm talking about that with what's happening here that we're going to be focusing on is, as I said, Israel, Russia, uh, Iran, and Turkey, but also we're going to talk a little bit about Saudi Arabia. So the, the key players are the leaders of these nations, uh, Putin, most people familiar with, Erdogan in Turkey, Netanyahu was recently reelected for a sixth term in November in Israel. Uh, Iran on the upper right is President Rouhani, and I say Ayatollah Khamenei, who you see in the, in the background there, uh, because they're kind of one in the same, and, and they're leading, you know, they're probably the greatest uh, uh, enemy of, of Israel at this point. And, and coincidentally, and we'll talk a little bit about it, they're also at odds and at war with uh, Saudi Arabia, who, who is led by Mohammed uh, bin Salam on the lower right-hand corner. So the reason I wanted to get into this, and I'm staying on video for a second, I've mentioned this before, Israel's cabinet uh, with Netanyahu was sworn in in, uh, I believe, late November, early December, and his party is in. And and the reason I want to get to this is because there's a change in... um, let me, let, me, let me put it this way. It's very, very difficult to get a, a majority in the government. You have 120 Knesset seats. He now has 64 uh, led by his party, the Likud party, but a couple of other parties to get to that 64. And there are some um, what, what people would refer to as very conservative uh, Jewish members, Jewish groups um, that are, are aligning with him. And I, I've mentioned this uh, briefly in the past two presentations so if you're not familiar, I'm just going to really quickly bring you up to speed with two of the key players, and, and you'll see why I'm talking about it in, in, in a minute. So um, on the top, you see uh, Bezalel Smotrich. Uh, he supports expanding Israel's presence and annexing more of the West Bank, which will likely draw the ire of the West. Religious Zionism issued a statement in response of Israel's Channel 12 report saying it has a lot of respect and appreciation for a U.S. ally but the uh, 46th administration should also uh, respect Israeli democracy and not interfere in the establishment of an elected government. goes on to say, a sovereign nation cannot agree to foreign dictates that would endanger Israel's security and harm Jewish settlement in Judea and Samaria, So, which is, you know, what is the West Bank. So that's one of the key players that is now in government. He's the Minister of Finance, is appointed by uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, and then on the right um, is Ismar ben Gavir, who is now the Minister of National Security. You see him up there last month uh, up in the grounds by the Temple Mount, and he, he said this, the Israeli government won't capitulate to a murderous organization to a repugnant terrorist group, meaning Hamas. The Temple Mount is the most important place for the people of Israel The mount is open to all, Muslims, Christians, and yes, Jews too. There won't be racist discrimination in the government of which I am a member 
Jews will ascend to the Temple Mount. So those are pretty strong words. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, pretty strong words coming from the government, probably the, the strongest that I can recall, uh, at least over the past 20 or 30 years. And it's, so he, is, he has a lot of influence and a lot of sway. And it's, it's really, it's boiling, it's getting to a point where um, Israel wants to be able to go to the Temple Mount and worship. So since about 2014, 2015, rules have laxed a little bit. You know, Jews are allowed up, Christians have been allowed up, but you must pay homage and respect certainly to the Muslims and the Alaska Mosque, which is up there. Um, but, you know, what is happening is more and more Jewish organizations, particularly one by, uh, run by Ben Gavir, who want to go up there and they want to pray, um, as dictated by their Jewish faith, their Jewish history. Um, and, and that is considered, uh, what's, uh, you know, by the, by the uh, Islamic religion, it's considered sacrilege, I guess you would say, uh, or an offense certainly to their viewpoint from, from their perspective. So that's, you know, kind of the, um, the summation, if you will, of what's going on, but it's causing a lot of tension. The, uh, the, the area is overseen by the Jordanian government, uh, which is uh, King Abdullah, and uh, uh, um, he, he, that's their responsibility. So he's concerned. There's been a lot of warnings that went out to Netanyahu from him and some others uh, because they're weary or they're leery of, of these uh, organizations of these parties that are in with the Likud party that are in the majority now leading government policy. So that's kind of setting the stage of some uh, clashes. At the same time, the Americans, and, and we'll get to this, I'm going to show you in a second, are at odds, and they've kind of, they, they've warned uh, Netanyahu, uh, 46 has sent word um, through, through some of the uh, ambassadors there and the leaders you know, to watch out, you know, or, or how much leeway or power or jurisdiction that you give these people because their position is they want to come to a two-state solution. They've been pushing that. So 44 and 46, from American standpoint, um, have, have been really, you know, at, at odds in that regard, and they've come out against any expansion of Jewish settlements in the West Bank, which, again, Judea and Samaria. So I'm going to show you a couple of things here to give you a little bit of, uh, of background of American policy over the last 10 years as it relates to Israel, really quickly, um, you see in the upper left, this was Netanyahu uh, appearing at, at the UN in 2015, and he gives you uh, really what is the red line for as far as their concern with what I, Iran uh, getting the nuclear bomb. At the same time, everybody knows that the Americans were negotiating an agreement that was uh, cut off by 45, and I would say, you know, very smartly uh, that there will be no financial agreement. It's basically a bribe. And I'll just pause there for a second. If you think about the Americans giving these billions of dollars to a nation that is at war with us, essentially, and with Israel, they call us the great Satan. They call Israel the little Satan death to America constantly. Uh, they've bombed American uh, military bases in the area, in Iraq, Afghanistan. Uh, and, and essentially what, you know, what was the policy of 44 and 46 is to appease them. And they haven't um, been able to get back to that agreement, although 46 has tried. But nonetheless, they've made very clear that they want to see 
uh, a Palestinian state established in, in the nation of Israel, which is in direct contradiction to what the Word of God says. So needless to say, no matter how much you try or, or whatnot, it, eventually it's going to fail because you're kind of putting your finger in the, or attempting to put your finger in the eye of, of, of the Lord. So I want to get back to this video for a second. And, you know, no secret, uh, 44's uh, relationship with Netanyahu was very contentious. But I'm drawing the uh, uh, arrow over to the right lower corner with 46 and Blinken, who's his current Secretary of State, and Susan Rice, who was the National Security Advisor uh, uh, under 44. But most people are saying is the one who's really running the show in, in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue today because of the um, uh, the the cognitive um, compromises or limitations of what 46 is capable of today. Uh, then at that same time, you had Netanyahu appear to the U.S. Congress at the height of these negotiations, and it was really, it was a very brave, in my estimation, for the Republicans to invite him, number one, and his willingness to do so, because he knew 44 didn't want it. And uh, so they've been at odds, and all I'm saying is 44 and 46's policies are the same. And just, you know, my opinion, uh, I, I don't think that what Netanyahu did in Congress would ever be forgotten by them. So you've got that position now of the Americans. So setting the stage, Benjamin Netanyahu has said he's got two main focal points or two uh, main um, um, goals in mind with this new administration. And one is to stop Iran. And the second is to expand the Abraham Peace Accord, starting with the nation of Saudi Arabia. He has gone on to say, and, and he's gone on to the Arab press as well, that he considers this the number one goal in order to achieve peace in, uh, in the region. And we're going to expand a little bit about that and how that is outlined in, in Ezekiel 38, that this nation will be with a relative peace with Israel. So uh, that's why I say, <coughs> I'm sorry, it's, it's interesting how these things are really starting to take shape. So with everything that's going on now, I wanted to focus in a little bit on Iran. If you keep in mind that Netanyahu is, is said he is going to stop Iran from their nuclear ambitions because they want to wipe Israel off the face of the map. They've been saying it for a long time. There's no reason not to believe them. They keep escalating and escalating and escalating. You know, Jesus said that the number one or the first thing he mentioned when his, when his apostles asked him, what will be the signs of your coming? And he said the first thing is, or the first thing he mentioned, I should say, is deception. And to think that we can have this peace with Iran and this radical uh, um, um, eschatology or end-time eschatology from the, their Shia Islamic perspective is ludicrous. It's, it's, it's insanity to think that that could happen. And it's really, you know, my, my opinion is if, if not for anything, it's maybe pushing the can down the road if, if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt. So I'm going to show you a map uh, uh, two maps here. I'm going back to video. I'm going to describe this to my podcast listeners. On the left-hand side, it shows you some of the nuclear facilities or uh, nuclear developments in and around the nation of Iran. 
starting with Bushir, uh, which you see there on, on, on the bottom, on the, on, the, uh, um, on the Gulf Coast there, and then you see uh, near Tehran, Parshan, Natanz is another one that you see a lot uh, mentioned in the news. Uh, Bushir is considered to be one of the two larger, I, th I think it's Natanz and Bushir are the two larger ones. So that gives you a little bit of an idea. Now on the right-hand side, I'm going to give you a map of, of the Middle East. I'm showing you um, Iran, Israel, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, and, and, and whatnot. And the reason I'm going to do this is because we're going to transition to Isaiah and, and um, uh, Jeremiah in a second. So if, if you look by Syria, I have three red dots I put in that general area of where Damascus is, Hamath, and Arpad. And the reason I'm mentioning Hamath and Arpad is they're in Scripture. So I'm giving you kind of a geographical earmark. And then we're going to talk about Elam. And I've put a circle on, on the coastline there above uh, or, or alongside near Iraq and Kuwait. And that is where Bushir is. That's where that nuclear facility is. And then you go down the coast. And I point out the Strait of Hormuz because that is where 25% of the world's oil comes in. So if you get some of these, and you will eventually get to some of these wars, it's going to have a global catastrophic effect on, on energy and the economy and food supplies, everything, because it will be cutting off a quarter of the world's oil from there. And then you see some of the other nations around there. I want to point to Yemen, uh, Syria, and Lebanon, because they are um, at war with, with Israel. So all of that said, and I, I will, before I, I begin, uh, I get to the next slide, um, over the past year, Israel has had uh, multi-nation um, uh, um, war games with uh, some of the, um, uh, their new neighbors or friends with the uh, Abraham Accords in Bahrain and the UAE. Saudi Arabia allowing flyovers over, um, uh, over their land, which they hadn't done years ago. So all of these things are starting to take shape. In addition, they had war games within the country itself, because if they go to war, and this is all in preparation for war with Iran, because if you're going to stop the nuclear um, agreement or you're going to, if you're going to take out some of these nuclear facilities, and I believe personally they will, I believe that this will happen. Um, and, and they believe it because they're preparing for it. They've uh, allocated billions of dollars into military defense for it. In these war games, they prepared for what would be what they expect to be coming, which would be from all of their surrounding areas, which I, that's why I wanted to mention Syria and Lebanon and Iraq and Iran. And then you certainly have to look at the Gaza Strip. Potentially other escalations could come from the West Bank. So... Israel surrounded by enemies. Um, so uh, now I'm going to break down some things that are outlined in Scripture. Let me go back to the slide here. Isaiah 49, 35 through 36, and this is the Lord. And he says, See, I will break the bow of Elam, the mainstay of their night. I will bring against Elam the four winds from the, quarters of from the four quarters of heaven. <coughs> Excuse me. Getting over I had some major bronchitis, so I'm at the telltale end of it, thankfully. Um, so I wanted to point out that the bow of Elam is an interesting description because if you think of a bow, that is really 
the catapult of of your actual um, uh, your, 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 the use of whatever military that force that you're going to attack. If you think of a bow, you think of the arrow is attached to it. And, and uh, you know, this may be a little bit of a stretch, but I'm going to say it. I, I think that that could be a nuclear facility that would launch a, a, a bomb or missiles. So when he says, I'm going to destroy the bow of Elam, which, again, I'm looking at Bushir, and it's one of the two larger nuclear facilities, is that what we're talking about? It could be. And it has so many repercussions uh, from friends in their areas, Saudi Arabia, because it's so close to them and the waters. And, and you know, it's, this is not an easy thing to say, but this is what Israel is preparing for, uh, that they look at this as this may be some, a step that they have to take, so much so that, you know, that battle, that the preparation that they had, I believe it was in May of 2022, it took the entire month uh, and they engaged not only all of the different branches of the military, but all of the civilians. They had, you know, air raid sirens, drills, people getting down into bunkers, into bomb shelters, and all throughout the country. This, they're taking this very, very seriously. Uh, it, it, so much so that, you know, I remember when Putin was forming his uh, um, armies and bringing his armies in and around the, the, the nation of Ukraine and people like, oh, he won't go in, he won't go in. He's saying, you know, he, he, he's foreshadowing it. And I, I, if you look at Israel and what Benjamin Netanyahu is saying and, you know, how Ayatollahs and the Iranians and, and the Iranian guard will uh, respond, that's what we're looking at. And it could be that close, which is why I wanted to bring this up. So then you see um, Isaiah 17. I'll go back to the video. And it says, see this, see Damascus will no longer be a city, but it will become a heap of ruins. It will be destroyed. So at some point, you know, Syria or Damascus has certainly taken a, a heavy toll, but it's never been destroyed. It's the oldest known city in, in the world. It's the oldest in civilization. Um, and the Lord says it will be destroyed. It will be a heap of ruins. It goes on to say later that eventually shepherds will, uh, um, or I think it says animals or sheep will, will hurt, will graze there. I, th I believe that's what it is. But um, so that will be destroyed, the city of Damascus, and it will become a heap of ruins. So the reason I wanted to point this out is what would happen, uh, actually, let me go back to Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah again, talking about Damascus. It says, concerning Damascus, Hamath and Arpad are, are dismayed. Again, upper right-hand corner, where is Hamath and Arpad? I'll show you geographically where that is um, on, on, in central and northern um, Syria above Damascus. For they have heard the bad news. So they heard the bad news. Damascus is destroyed. They are disheartened, troubled like the restless sea. Damascus has become feeble. She has turned to flee, and panic has gripped her. Anguish and pain have seized her, pain like that of a woman in labor. Why has the city of renown not been abandoned, the town in which I delight? Surely her young men will fall in the streets. Her soldiers will be silenced in that day, declares the Lord Almighty. I will set fire to the walls of Damascus. It will consume the fortresses of Ben-Hadad. So, you know, there, there you have it, and you have it from two different prophets of what will happen. So if potentially, <clears throat> sorry about coughing, 
if potentially you have Iran, I'm um, sorry, Israel invading Iran, taking out one of these. This is something that I could very easily see. We know that Syria has launched and engaged in chemical weapons on several occasions before. So again, you know, they, you have Iran right now in Syria, along with Russia and Turkey. They would launch chemical weapons. Hezbollah in, in uh, Lebanon, they right now have 150,000 uh, missiles that the Israeli intelligence is aware of. This is why they're playing these war games. They know this is in there. Uh, so they could potentially be looking at firing, um, um, uh, uh, I, I guess, at least 2,000 missiles a day. Um, so, you know, and, and then if you look at Hamas from, from uh, um, you know, that same area, so if they're saying maybe may, may going off with 1,000 missiles a day uh, from, from the Gaza Strip, and then the Houthis, which is in Yemen, have already confirmed that they have the missiles that can uh, uh, take out Tel Aviv or, or attack Tel Aviv. So you have Israel surrounded by their enemies. We know that these missiles and this military uh, onslaught is there, which is why Israel has gone through all of these war games, how they will respond. They fully expect to be attacked from the north, the south, the east, and the west. They are ready for it. Um, so, and this is what their preparations are. What I'm alluding to, you know, is, is public knowledge, but it falls in line with what is laid out. And if this starts to happen, I can see where these nations will come down into Syria and in, in through Syria, potentially, into Israel. So the stage is being set, I believe, for, you know, what, what we could be looking at. So all of that to say, let's consider go, going now to Ezekiel 38 and these nations and, and what's been happening. So I'm going to show you some things with, with their, uh, I'm, I'm doing it by the representation of their flags. So uh, Magog, Rosh, and Meshach, which is, you know, what most historians will confirm, have, all historians, that is Russia. So what has happened in the last 10, 12 years Putin has made it clear he wants the reunification of the Soviet empire, of the great Soviet empire, the Soviet bloc. We know that he took over Georgia in 2008, Crimea in 2014. He's trying now for uh, Ukraine in 2022. That's not just Europe. They have a permanent naval base in the Syrian northern port of Tartus, so they're there. Uh, they also have military on the northern African uh, coast in uh, um, Libya. Uh, off to the right, Persia. You know, we've talked a lot about that. There's been an elite, an alliance that has grown, uh, particularly with the Ukrainian war. Russia uh, is being helped tremendously by um, the Iranians. They, these, uh, um, oh, what's, what's, I can't forget it. Oh, I can't. This happens to me once in a while. They've been, they've been at any rate, they've been supplying them with, uh, with missiles that the Russians have been using in attacking um, uh, Ukraine. So at the same time, right now, uh, intelligence has revealed there are at least 1,000 nuclear Russian scientists that are operating in Iran, 1,000 nuclear scientists. So there's an, there's an exchange of information. Um, there's um, 
There's, there's a working military agreement that is happening with, with these two nations. So they're delivering weapons to Russia. They're helping in the Ukrainian war. The Russians are helping them uh, in Syria. They're helping them in their nuclear ambitions. At the same time, Turkey. Uh, if you think about Erdogan, Erdogan came on as the, when he first appeared uh, uh, in, in his run, he was the mayor of Ankara, then eventually leading to the president. Um, he was appearing as a moderate, and most people thought, you know, Turkey was the model uh, of moderate Islamics, uh, and he's been anything but that. So he's he's kind of gone to the extreme, and, and that's been out there. And I always say that's the fly in the ointment. It's a very interesting case because uh, Erdogan has one foot in the West and one in the East. He's got this allegiance with Russia and Iran, and at the same time, he's mem- they're a member of NATO. In 2017, they signed a $2.5 million anti-defense missile system deal with Russia. So that military uh, alignment is there. Then you have what is happening with uh, potentially the Abraham Accords. And and we know about, you know, the four nations in that area, meaning uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, uh, Bahrain, um, Morocco, uh, uh, Sudan, not in the Middle East, but Kosovo has recently signed it, uh, another Muslim nation. So it, it says in Ezekiel 38, and I'm paraphrasing, that they will be at peace. They will not engage in the Ezekiel 38 war. They'll be one of the nations uh, who, who will side along with Israel. So if you think about 2001 from an American perspective, 9-11, and everybody was against Saudi Arabia, against Saudi Arabia, and there's certainly some hostilities there from the American, at least as present American administration. Um, but where are they today? And they're very close to a peace deal uh, or some type of agreement with, with Netanyahu. There's, they're exchanging uh, um, security information, military information. They've got some agreements in place. There, there are exchanges that are prospering the nations that are, in the, are involved right now. Um, there, there are agricultural developments that are being exchanged from Israel because of their um, expertise in this area. Uh, so, you know, Morocco is seeing the benefits of this, and, and as well as Bahrain and the UAE, tourism, uh, obviously. So all of that to say, I believe you will eventually see a peace deal with Saudi Arabia, exactly as the prophet Ezekiel laid out in chapters 38 and 39. So I wanted to point to a couple of conditions for Ezekiel's 38th war as I wind this down. Um, It presupposes that there would be a nation. So before 1948, Ezekiel's uh, prophecy was just not even in the realm of consideration. But May 14th, 1948, Israel is in the land. Uh, They are prosperous in the land. Certainly, they're one of the more prosperous nations. They were ranked number 18 GDP worldwide. This tiny, tiny little nation the size of New Jersey is now 18th on the list of of the GDP. So many things from a technology standpoint, medical standpoint, um, the flowers blooming in the desert. They're a leading exporter of flowers from this desert. You know, it makes no sense. But if you think about, uh, you know, how the Lord has blessed them and prospered them, it's exactly as the Bible laid out it would. And it says it will be peaceful. And people will say, well, how can you say they're at peace? Well, seeing some developments of some peace accords with the Abraham Accords, 
people, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, they wouldn't even consider it Muslims anyway, but now they are. And if you get Saudi Arabia, which is, you know, the Mecca, if you will, pun intended, uh, of uh, the Islamic religion, if they forged an agreement, that's a big deal. That's a very, very big deal. And I believe that's exactly what Ezekiel was prophesying. Think about Ezekiel 2,500 years ago saying that these nations would be lined up and they would be coming against Israel and other nations would be forging alliances. And it's exactly what the prophet outlined. We see... Russia, Iran, and Turkey right now at the border of Israel with their militaries today as we speak. Um, so I, you know, I say all these things that they're, it's all starting to take shape, and I've outlined a, a potential of what could happen based upon what we're seeing that is going on. And, you know, this is all stuff that's in the news. I said in the beginning, I, I think I did anyway, that it's not meant to alarm you or to make anybody concerned but it does point to the, to the soon coming of our King Jesus, which is why we want to share this information, because you cannot even possibly get close to any mathematical plausibility of all of the things that have transpired that, that were laid out by uh, Jesus and the, and the prophets that have come to pass, outlining exactly what will come to pass, and we're seeing that. So I look at this as you know, the, the spiritual chess match, if you will. And it doesn't, it doesn't alarm me in a sense because I know it's pointing to Jesus coming soon, but all of the pieces are, are, are forming exactly a, a, as what the Lord laid out. So I take great confidence in that. So I, I just wanted to say thank you for joining me. This is, uh, I, I hope that you've enjoyed this information. I hope you've gotten something out of the scriptures some other things to consider with what's laid out in Isaiah and, and um, uh, Jeremiah and how the geopolitical landscape is lining up exactly as the Bible laid out. So uh, on that note, I, I, I hope and, and pray that you take comfort in that. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please email me, russicoutlook at gmail.com. Uh, if you don't know the Lord, please, uh, you know, consider what I've said, you know, consider going to a church near you. There's nothing more important that you could do than give yourself and your heart and your life over to Jesus. Um, again, if you have any questions, email russicoutlook at gmail.com. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. My name is Mark. And remember, as always, just my opinion.